This is the Learning Capacity Podcast. You're with Colin Klupik. A warm welcome to you wherever you happen to be listening in. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast Australia, improving student learning outcomes with neuroscience programs since 1999. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Martha Burns, Director of Neuroscience Education at Scientific Learning Corporation, about the controversial topic of Oppositional Defiant Disorder, or ODD. How do we tell the difference between a child who is presenting with ODD as opposed to a child that might simply be described as a handful? Some children may simply be strong-willed or emotional, and this may be completely normal, especially between siblings. And what about medication? Where does that fit in? Let's tread carefully into this sensitive area. Dr. Burns, welcome to the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice to be here. We are talking about oppositional defiant disorder, something that people might know as ODD. And uh, we'll just say right from the outset that many people could find this uh, controversial or sensitive. Uh, But starting from the perspective of the average teacher, how do we identify ODD as opposed to simply having a student who might be described as somewhat of a handful? Okay, that's a really good question. Um, Sometimes it's difficult to recognize the difference between a strong-willed or emotional child and a child who has oppositional defiant behavior uh, because it's normal for children to exhibit oppositional behavior at certain times, especially toward their siblings, yes. <laughs> uh, especially in some specific environments. So, so the criteria that differentiates um, oppositional defiant disorder from just a willful child or just a child who's misbehaving is that the child has four four specific kinds of symptoms. First of all, they are angry and irritable and argumentative a lot. So we I would put that in just lay terms as they have a problem with anger management. They get angry easily and they're angry frequently. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it has to occur with us in a situation that isn't the child's sibling. So if the child just gets really angry at their siblings all the time, that's pretty norm considered by at least psychiatrists and psychologists to be pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Third, it has to cause significant problems at work and school or home. So this is not a child who gets in trouble every once in a while. This is a child who has significant problems all the time. Um, and it occurs on its own. It isn't in response to other issues. So let's say that you have an adolescent and they have become defiant, but you find out that they are abusing alcohol. Well, the issue there is the alcohol abuse, not the defiance, probably. They're, we're probably seeing symptoms of something else. Mm-hmm. Or we might see a student who has ADHD, and as a result, they they have what we call frustration intolerance. They get really angry when they're frustrated. Uh, But that's a symptom of ADHD. That's not a symptom of ODD. So so it has to occur on its own. It doesn't occur in relationship to some other problem or some specific situation. And it has to last at least six months. So that would also distinguish students who are going through a rough time at home, let's say their parents are going through a divorce or 
there's some other issue in their life that's causing stress. And so we're getting some um, defiant behavior or we're getting some anger, but then it subsides and we haven't always seen it. So, so those are the characteristics that psychologists would use. So I'm curious about the six-month factor. I read that in a, in a couple of papers as I was preparing for this discussion. And, and I, I wondered, why six months? So that you know that it isn't being triggered by something in the environment at, at home or a stressor. So that was, so just, that was just considered as a fairly reasonable arbitrary figure? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So when it comes to behavior management... Are there actually things going on in the brain that are somehow not working properly in a child presenting with ODD-type behaviors? Right now, the neuroscience would suggest, yes, that, um, that when you see those kinds of behaviors, you are seeing overactivity of a part of the brain called the hypothalamus and some lower-level regions of the brain like the adrenal gland. So... When you and I are under stress, when anyone's under stress, we produce two kinds of hormones. We, pro we Well, two kinds of chemicals. One of them is adrenaline, which gives us a lot of energy. Um, and the other one is cortisol. And cortisol kind of shorts out the rest of the brain. So if you just take all of our most basic reactions to a stressful situation, let's say that we're in a forest and suddenly we're being chased by a wild animal. What we're going to do is we're going to fight or flight, right? We're going to mm -hmm. either try to attack the animal or we're just going to try to run away. But we're not going to be thinking about what we want for lunch. We're not going to be thinking about, wouldn't it be nice to sit down and read a book? <laughs> <laughs> Most we're, likely not, no. <laughs> we're going to be centered on that thing that's getting us all upset. And it looks like when you have a disorder like um, like ODD, that what you're actually having is the brain is in this, this fight or flight mode. And so the person's angry, they have a lot of energy, but their, their energy is devoted to striking out at other people. And um, they have trouble with impulse control. They have trouble with um, controlling their behavior. They're easily annoyed. So the brain is... the the parts of the brain that put us in control of ourselves have been shorted out. And that's where the conventional kind of the, the wisdom is right now, that we're operating without the part of our brain that allows us to be under control. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, it does. And I like the imagery of something being shorted out because that gives me the impression in my, in my mind's eye of, of, of two wires that shouldn't be connecting or two wires that that, that should be connecting but have been connected by something else. And uh, that gives me some sort of a visual understanding. But then when I think about how I would try to address that, that's when I sort of struggle with the next concept. Because if I, if I fall over and break my arm, I, I put a cast on my arm and six weeks later, things are generally looking better. Or if I have a headache, um, I, might, I might take a painkiller and be better in a couple of hours. But when, I've, when I think about something being shorted out in my, in, in my brain, I, I struggle to think, how, how could I actually ever deal with that? Well, and, and that's where when you have a child who has a problem with this, you need a lot of, you need a mental health professional 
who understands the behavior and knows how to modulate it. Because the whole goal of, of helping these students is to get them to have control over their behavior. And, and the, the bad behavior they have, if we want to use that term, if the, their antisocial behaviors, their um, quickness to anger, their resentment, their, the fact that they argue a lot become habits and they become the way they respond. They look at themselves as that kind of person and then they continue to behave that way. So the current wisdom right now is to get the student who has these problems to recognize themselves when they're behaving well. So the first thing is to get them to recognize behaviors that are appropriate to, and praise those so that you reinforce those, to set up limits and routines for the child so that they don't lapse into these old habits, mm -hmm. um, and to model the behaviors we want for the child. So, so what can sometimes happen, and I know I'm a parent, and it, it's happened in my own home with me, is my child yells at me, and then what do I do? I yell back. Mm -hmm. Say, don't you yell at me! You don't yell at me! <laughs> and what I'm doing then is modeling the very behavior that I want to extinguish. Mm. So behavior specialists can help parents or teachers to pick their battles, to learn how to develop routines, to learn how to recognize and praise positive behaviors, and to set limits so that you're not as likely to see these negative behaviors occur. And that's really where the kind of the therapeutic emphasis is right now. So very much focused on on reinforcing the positive behaviors and uh, and avoiding modeling the negative behaviors. Yes. And when the negative behaviors occur, trying not to overreact, but rather to channel the student into do, having a positive response, modeling a positive response if you can. Here's, here's an interesting situation I've come across several times. Sometimes I've found that when when talking with students who present in this particular way, and, and and I'm talking about students who are not necessarily diagnosed in any way, there seems to be a fairly null reaction or or negative reaction even when you praise them for behavior that, that is appropriate or good. What's going on with that? Well, um, I'm not a mental health professional, so I have to defer to to the literature on this. But I think that what mental health professionals would say is that the child has such a negative concept of themselves, and they're not used to being being praised or even recognized for good behavior. They're, the world around them has been relatively punitive to them. You misbehave, go to the principal's office. You misbehave, go leave the classroom, go sit outside. You misbehave, you have to take a day off of school. Um, and that's how they're used to being treated so that when that changes at first, that can become, they don't get it, doesn't mm. make sense to them. Yeah, okay. So I'm, I'm just trying to think about someone who comes into a, a classroom situation and sees a, perhaps a, a new bunch of students or perhaps one of their students is starting to develop behaviors which are a little unusual. If there is no diagnosis but there's strong suspicion of, of, of these kinds of symptoms being representative of an ODD case, what's the best way to go about handling this problem? How do you start? 
Well, everything I've read has said start with your family doctor. So go to the, your family doctor, say this is what the teacher's seeing. I mean, if it's a teacher that's seeing this, I, I, if I'm a teacher and I'm seeing it and I don't think the parents have been seeing it, I would probably want to bring the parents in and say, are you seeing this kind of behavior at home? Mm. These are the things I'm seeing. I'm seeing that he seems to defy or refuse to do things I ask him to do in the class. He, he seems to sometimes deliberately want to annoy people. He seems to blame other people whenever he does something wrong. Are you seeing that at home? And try to get the if the parent is seeing it at home, then say, I'm thinking that maybe the next best step would be to talk to your family physician about this and see what he recommends. And the reason it's important to take this head on and just not ignore it is that families who have children with ODD really need to learn strategies for working with their children. Not to be blamed. It isn't necessarily their fault at all. Um, it can be genetic. It, there can be other environmental factors. Some children just start off very young with temperaments that are easily angered. So, but the parents may not have any strategies for dealing with that. So we want the parents to get strategies for dealing with that. And the only way we can get the parents to get strategies for dealing with it is to recognize that these behaviors are, are occurring and to recognize that there are things they can do at home to diminish these activities, these kinds of behaviors. And that the best place to start is usually the family physician. Okay, I'm just imagining that some parents might find this a real issue of stigma, both for themselves and for their child. Sure. What, what are some helpful communication strategies that, that teachers can use when communicating with the parents about potential ODD behaviors? Well, A, number one is for all of us to step back and realize that um, that blaming the parents doesn't help and that in many cases it, there may not be a parental problem. We have a tendency to associate this with problems with parenting and we have a tendency to blame parents and the parents pick that up pretty is easily and they may become defensive too. Mm. You might also have a situation in the home where you've had an adult that was abusive or you've had an adult that had some of these issues themselves. So so the first thing to do is just to get the parents to see it, to see the behaviors, to see that those behaviors are are not helping the child and and probably to explain to them that if that kind of behavior improves, these are students who end up having, are much more likely to have much more severe problems when they get older. Substance abuse problems, depression, anxiety, risk for suicide. So, so getting nipping this in the bud and having everyone on the same page is important. And I think if a teacher just approaches it from the standpoint, not that the parent's doing something wrong, mm. but that we, we have a child with a problem, let's figure out what we can do about that problem. I can imagine that that would be quite daunting for teachers to, to start that conversation. Um, <laughs> have you got any tips yeah. as to how to break the ice? I, the way I think I would do it is I am seeing some of these behaviors in the classroom. Have you ever seen any of these at home? Okay, so that's, that's, the, first, that's the, the first way to approach this problem. 
I think so. And not saying your son, I think your son or I think your daughter has a major problem, but just saying, I'm seeing that your son's very irritable a lot of the time. I'm seeing that he loses his temper very often. He seems to be easily annoyed by other people. Do you see that at home? Okay. And then wait for the response and see how the conversation goes. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking that it might be helpful for the teacher to have another person hand, uh, with them in the conversation, uh, purely sure. just from a support point of view, because I can imagine there'd be quite a bit of emotional tension in this kind of discussion. Right. If, if the school has a social worker or the school has a behavior specialist, having them in the room would be really helpful because they're less likely to come off as being of blaming anyone for this. They're much more likely to come off as let's see let's we have a problem let's see if we can figure out how to solve it. Just to cap off, is this a field of growing research? Definitely a field of growing research. Yes. And there are at least in the United States, and I suspect all, in Australia as well, there are articles coming out all the time on trying to understand um, ODD and also trying to to understand what are some of the causative factors and what is going on in the brain and what are the best ways to tackle it early. I would say right now the research shows the sooner you can get this behavior under control, the better for the child and the less long-term risks that child will face. Just one thing I I did think of just before we do finish off is that in this conversation there's been a a lack of mention uh, of medication. Is that still still part of the the treatment? I I think many psychiatrists do. Well... From what I've read, and again, I'm not a mental health professional, but from what I've read, I think the first line of defense or the first line of approach is is family counseling and counseling to help change the behaviors. And the other is to make sure there aren't other complicating diagnoses like ADHD or an anxiety disorder or depression. Because if those exist, then those need to be treated. And depression and anxiety are treated with medication. Bipolar disorder is treated with medication as well as counseling. As far as the reading I have done um, for oppositional defiant kinds of behaviors, medication has not been as successful as have been these counseling approaches. Okay, that's fascinating. I find that really, really interesting, actually, because there's often in casual discussion, you might hear people immediately defaulting to the question of, is the child on medication? Yes. And often I think the child might be on medication because they might have an anxiety disorder or they might have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder as well. Those disorders all overlap. So, So often... It's very rare to see a child with oppositional defiant behavior where that's the only kind of behavior that you're seeing. Um, but for treating the oppositional and defiant behavior, as far as my reading goes, medication is not being used as much or recommended as much as the as family intervention. Some fascinating insight there. Dr. Burns, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Learning Capacity Podcast brought to you by LearnFast Australia. 
If you'd like to comment on this podcast, send us an email to feedback at learnfastgroup.com.au. And to find out more about LearnFast, visit learnfasthome.com.au, where you can also subscribe to the blog. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you.